Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. What's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's episode is brought to you by StodzyMedia.com. Stodzy Media is a premier online marketing agency. We handle services that range from web design, web development, content marketing services, SEO services, and detailed, simple-to-read monthly reporting. One of the big problems that we see in the online marketing industry is that agencies don't feel the need to communicate to their clients in simple English to let them know where their money is being spent and what the results of their marketing budget are. We put a huge emphasis in this reporting. We put a huge emphasis in this communication to our clients. So I assure you that when you work with us, you will never be uh, unsure as to where your money is being spent and how it's being spent and what the results are. We offer a free web marketing audit, please go to stodzymedia.com. That's S-T-O-D-Z-Y media.com for your free audit. You can uh, just reach out to us and ask us questions. We're always looking to be of service in any way we can. In today's episode, my friend Bill Somerville stopped by. We had a, a great conversation. I was really happy to to have this conversation with Bill because he's always been you know, kind of a a friend, but more of an acquaintance, somebody that I've just kind of had really great conversations with periodically in the past, but I never really got the time to sit down with him and and learn about him and where he comes from and, and what he believes in. So it was really cool to be able to have the opportunity to sit down with him. He had some amazing insight about his time in the military and the lessons he's learned and how he's carried those lessons over to his personal life and his professional life. And it was just all in all like a, a really great time and a great conversation. I hope that you enjoy listening to Bill as much as I enjoy talking to him. And please help me welcome my friend, Bill Somerville. You ever done a podcast before? Yeah, I did actually. We, um, uh, we went to this place in Lake Worth, and they you gotta get closer to it, buddy. Closer to talking, yeah. We uh, went to this place in Lake Worth that my buddy was recording, actually a a rap album, and he's like, "Why don't we do a?" Who a, was it? Uh, you know, Crack Daniels. No, that's his name. Yeah, I fucking love his name. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> he, he's actually really, really good. Uh, and and he's from New York. He lives down here in in Delray or Boynton. And he already had like a connect for recording. So he's like, why don't we sit down and do a podcast? It really like had no start. It had no end. And we just went on there for an hour and each kicked in like 50 bucks. And we're in like this really nice recording studio. And we did like a little podcast. And That's we, cool. We saved it. So. That's cool, man. Mm-hmm. When I started doing it, um, first off, we're, we're live now. So thank you very much for coming here. <laughs> I appreciate it. When I started doing it, um, I would just kind of sit down and try to just wing it with people. And it really, really helps, at least for me, to do like 10 minutes at least of like research about the person. Um, some more than others. Like last week, I interviewed Brandon Novak. Okay. And since he's like a little bit more of a... Easier to pull information on. Maybe. Yeah, you know, because you can like <laughs> find stuff about him. 
Um, you know, there's no Wikipedia page for Bill Somerville, although I think we should probably make one now. Yeah, there, there's probably some some other ways to get some of my background information. <laughs> Might have been on the books once or twice. Yeah, <laughs> a few times, right? Um, but I thought like a cool fucking thing that we could start about because this is something that I always found really interesting about you, but I never really had time to talk to you is you're really into surfing. And for someone like myself, I've been surfing one time. I went surfing with my friend named Travis Moziki. You might actually know him. I think I know Travis. Yeah, he's got a huge beard. And uh, I I don't really admit it that much, but I'm kind of terrified of the ocean. And <laughs> it fucking scares me. Like, I don't know. There's something about it. It scares me. When did you uh, when did you get into surfing? And like, how did that become such a part of your life? Uh, so I have to caveat all this by saying I'm probably the worst surfer in South Florida. Yeah, um, I enjoy it a lot, but uh, it's definitely a, it's definitely a, a work in progress for me. I th- I found out about it. I did it a little bit. I, I grew up in New Jersey in a place called Long Beach Island, and it's where uh, I don't know. That's where you grew up. Yeah. LBI. Oh yeah, you have a six hundred nine area code. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I should have picked up on that. Uh, so I grew up around my dad knew uh, the guy that started Ron Johns. Ron. Um, he started back in the day doing. Uh, he did uh, like whittled furniture out of beech wood, and then cool. eventually that financed like his original surf shop which started in lbi and then went to like australia and coco beach and all those other places so like in lbi it was always like a a big thing i tried it a couple times surfing in new jersey is like intense the mm-hmm. waves are like very intense mm-hmm. not a lot of people know that but it's actually much more intense up in the northeast than it it's is true. down here yeah so i started down there just briefly though like you know it's hard to be good at anything if you're only doing it like here and there and that's my involvement in surfing so you're not like a weekend every single weekend wake up with a crack of dawn surfing kind of i guy. wish i wish yeah. i could be but we have jobs you know yeah the- <laughs> i hear you though i wish i could be that way with skateboarding like yeah there was a time in my life where and I, again I, I talked about this last weekend there was a time in my life where skateboarding was like all i ever wanted to do and uh man i just found so much peace in it and there's I think about it, you know, I was like, man, I, I have time on the weekends. I can dedicate like every Saturday morning and I can't even, I can't even plan out this next weekend, let alone <laughs> like be able to make out plans for, for like everything to practice it. I was uh, not good at surfing at all. I really, really, really didn't enjoy it. I thought that uh, I, I was interested and this is going to be like a a huge caveat but knowing your personality and like how you know you got kind of the surfer vibe and you're pretty laid back and relaxed and things don't really seem to stress you out that much but i remember the first time that you told me when you were in here last time that you were in the military and uh i admire that a whole lot about people and you know there's the whole thank you for your service type thing but uh, from my perspective i want to know what is it that you well first what branch in the military and how did you get into that? But tell me like some of the lessons that you learned from just being involved in that. Mm. <clears throat> so I, uh, I was in the army. Uh, I was, a, I was an engineer as a, they have these letters and numbers that they correspond with jobs in the army. So it was, uh, uh, 21 alpha was my MOS. 
My, What's an MOS? Uh, MOS is a like a military uh, area service, right? So it's just like, what what job did you perform? Like you'll hear people say like eleven Bravo. That's uh, mm-hmm. infantry, you know, or or you know transportation or or whatever it is. It's two numbers and a letter. You put it together, and like anyone that's in the military, they'll they'll know like what that is most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, how I got involved with it? So my dad served my grandfather served uh my great-grandfather also really? um had no intentions of serving no intentions of being in the military but i graduated high school in uh southern new jersey and southern regional high school was the name of the high school and uh september 11 2001 was the start of my senior year mm. so and that was the day that everything changed so we're like the same age i'm 31 yeah i'll be i'll be 34 may 2nd okay so may 2nd my yeah. birthday's may 3rd so so yeah so i was uh i was starting my senior year and i and i remember i think everyone remembers like where they were at or what they were doing when it happened and i was in a multimedia class and i remember the subject pretty vividly it was uh uh it was special effects so we were going over special effects and uh watching video snippets of special effects uh teacher picks up a phone call turns on a tv and uh, here we are seeing a replay of a plane hitting a building so we're still all under the impression like so hey this special is special effects, effects oh right so we're all like wow that's intense how did you do that and he's like you know you could see kind of like the color running out of his face because uh a lot it's very common even in southern new jersey for a lot of people to go earn income in new york city because mm-hmm. the pay is so much higher and uh, and bring it back you know into uh you know, into New Jersey mm-hmm. where the cost of living is like at least a little bit lower. So there was a lot of people, a lot of people's families uh, that, you know, they had jobs in the trade center or uh, around the trade center at the mm-hmm. time. Same thing. Like I know there are people that even commute from like, you know, outside the Philadelphia area and go into sure. New York city and yeah. bring the payback out. But uh, so it was, it was a pretty big thing. And uh, at that time, you know, I just was focused on getting accepted to college and, and going that route, I kind of decided, like, you know, the military really wasn't going to be part of my life. Um, and uh, after that day, like, everything everything changed. So I uh, I did get accepted into college, uh, and I did it with the stipulation that I would be in the ROTC program to uh, earn a commission as a, as a second lieutenant, as an wow. officer to go in as that. That was, like, my, my trade-off. That's ROTC, ROTC? Yeah, ROTC. Okay. So a little bit different than, like, the high school ROTC. Like, mm-hmm. you're, like, actively involved in the military on, mm-hmm. on a collegiate level. Like, you know, you'll go in. They'll take pictures of you. They'll pretty much, like, like take you into into the military. Like, you'll say your oath, you know, like promised to defend the country against all well you know everyone foreign domestic so it uh it was you know an eye-opening experience i uh one summer went to basic combat training wasn't a requirement but i had thought like hey to be a good officer it's important for me to see the enlisted side of it so i went in as as a private did everything that i needed to do during the summer and then came back out um re-enrolled into college uh and continued like on a fast track to graduate and then when i graduated it was like forrest gump you know it's a guy at the end of the stage he's like are you ready to go sir and then like i was back in a van and 
back to Fort Benning. So you had a degree. Yeah, I got it. I got a degree. The, because ROTC, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you graduate, you graduate as a lieutenant, right? Yeah. So you'll you'll start as uh as a as a cadet and then you'll move from a cadet status directly until they give you a, a gold bar. So it's like a second lieutenant, you'll always notice if you see the rank in the center of someone. Okay. It's a it's a gold bar. They have a saying like in the military, like if it shines, salute it. So like, okay, if you see like a a gold bar or a silver bar or two bars or an oak leaf, like that's how you know like the difference between um, an NCO, which is a non commissioned officer, which is like sergeant, staff sergeant, first sergeant, uh, and then uh, an officer, which is second lieutenant, first lieutenant, captain. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, Major, you know, all through the ranks, Brigadier mm-hmm. General, two star general, three star. So it was it was pretty cool that the in terms of like what I've learned, I don't think there's ever been any school or any type of learning that I've ever gone through that even comes close to like the leadership schools that I went through in the sure. military. You know, I'm like 21, 22 years old, fresh out of school you're dumped into, uh, they'll call it LDAC is the first school that you'll go to leadership, uh, development and assessment course where it's like, you know, they'll stick you out in the woods. Uh, there's a river, they give you like one log and like four dudes and like a, some parachute and they're like, get your, you know, get your platoon across the river. Um, and then I went to Bullock basic officer leadership course, which, uh, it's uh, it's kind of like an infantry school in, in in a little bit. Like we run, they call them uh, uh, sticks, squad training exercises, where like they'll take us through and like we'll you know tromp through the woods and and they hire actors and it's like you're going through missions, you know, like going through. The military is very big on on preparation. They always say like eighty twenty, like eighty percent preparation, twenty percent execution. Mm. So like even like when you're going out. Uh, and you're, you know, about to perform something. It's just like you've practiced it so many times that so you, you don't think and your it. entire platoon, you could do it with your eyes closed. Wow. All your contingencies, everything. It was just like plan, 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 execute. So, and I've taken like a lot of that with, especially like 80, 20 rule in like all of my life, you know? Like, well, that's what I was going to say. When you, when you said they teach you 80, 20 rule, you could see that even how you accessed that was without even thinking about it. So like, mm-hmm. it's clear that you've taken that sort of, I don't know, philosophy and applied it to like a lot of other stuff. So, okay. So how long were you enlisted for? Uh, so I was in the army altogether from uh, pretty much like 03 to the latter part of 2010. Wow. Yeah. So. And that is so amazing to me because this is going to come off being, I don't know, like, <clears throat> stereotypical but when you walk down the street you just don't strike me as like an army guy you know <laughs> yeah no i i am i am definitely i guess unique in in that point i just never um just kind of always been a, a chill dude like i've <laughs> been in a lot of like really uncomfortable situations and i don't know my dad was my dad is a is an incredibly intelligent guy and he's like very level-headed most of the times mm-hmm. and he just always kind of taught me like you know the worst thing that you can do in any situation two things um you know panic or just like not make a decision or not make a decision you know so that's you know that's like kind of where i got it through and like that had been ingrained in me before i i'd even signed any documentation to be in the military you know it's just like 
what are you going to do? You know, mm-hmm. he'd always like, even when I was younger, I'm like, Oh man, this test is going to be hard. And he's like, okay, great. Like, what are you, what are you prepared to do about it? Yeah. You know, maybe you should be upstairs studying. I, the make a decision thing is something that I was also taught. And especially in just my experience with, with, with business and especially with having like, um, I don't want to say the burden, but the responsibility of like having to make the choice and then living with the consequences, mm-hmm. it's better to make a decision and sometimes make the wrong decision than it is to like not make one. hundred percent. Every time, I really think. I think That's, every time. As long as you can substantiate why you made the decision, yeah. even if it's the wrong decision, like then, you know, you learn. You know, like I'm, I'm trying to learn some of this digital marketing stuff on my own, and like yeah, I've, we're gonna I've get wasted, there. I've wasted some money, you know. <laughs> but I, I call it like I call it tuition, you know. I don't call it wasting money. I'm like, yeah. all right, that's my tuition, you know. Like I, I got off real easy with college, but like, <laughs> I, you know, like I, I made some Facebook ads that dropped a bunch of money into it. A lot that did nothing for me. Like, mm. all right, that's my tuition. Don't do that again. Yeah, you know? we're we're definitely gonna <laughs> visit that because obviously that's something that that I like to talk about. But I don't know. I guess I'm just so fascinated by this. So uh, one thing when I, I I fixed cars a lot growing up, mm-hmm. I, I was just because you know I was like a blue collar kid. I worked in a lot of mechanic shops, and I worked with this kid who was. Um, I mean, I think he was. <clears throat> I'm nervous to say because I don't know the terminology, but I think he was just like a basic soldier. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. like have any any ranks, whatever the term for that is. I don't want to like insult anybody. Enlisted. Yeah, he was just enlisted. You know, and uh, he left the military and he was working slinging hoops we called it he was uh he was in charge of changing tires when a car came out mm-hmm. and he told me all of the places that he went to he was like look you know what I'm saying i've been around the entire world and i thought that was so cool have you gotten to experience like the international travel or was it basically just staying in the country it was staying in the country so a lot of uh a lot of people think that like hey like you know if you're joining the army you're going to deploy but the the reality of the situation is for every one combat or combat armed soldier it takes another 10 soldiers to support them like someone has to handle logistics of like Mm -hmm. bringing mail bringing ammunition like um transportation like making sure the soldier's paid making sure he's got uh, medical attention making sure like all these other things so like although like Hollywood tends to glorify like the um, the infantry side of it because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of glory. Like, all right, boys, here we are. Like, oh, <laughs> open up the door, go do things, drive away. Yeah. Um. You know, like they're you know, okay, we'll stay people, a little closer to that, bud. Those people, um, you know, like they deserve their their time in the sun. Of course. You know, I mean, like it it takes a lot of work. You know, not only that, but then the spouses back home that are taking care of the families and the bills and everything while, uh while they're overseas so uh my job specifically was i was in horizontal engineering so i did demo bridges right bridges yep bridges and also laying ground floor structure you know for things and 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 planning basically so i was in as an officer i was in like a managerial position where i'd I'd have all these different types of you know engineering troops like carpentry and plumbing and everything like that and my job was to take information from higher ups and then put it into action right okay. and make sure the job got done so it's kind of like a foreman almost okay uh but all everything was done like in country and there are a lot of troops because think about it like this like you know 
the Department of Defense, I mean, we have like what, like probably three or four million strong, you know, overseas in Afghanistan, maybe at, at the height, there's 250K, mm-hmm. you know, so a small segment of that will go overseas. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, there are people that are deployed all over the place. So I was not requested to go overseas. When you say a horizontal engineer, so if I were to come in and we say, we need to build this base. Mm-hmm. You would literally lay it out and and lay the floor. Do you mean like the the little literal first translation floor, of the yeah, horizontal first, first floor structure, and then vertical engineers would come in if if there was a requirement to do second, third, and fourth floor, and they would lay the additional floors. Like bridging is another thing too mm-hmm. that we bridges would do. fascinate me. It's insane. Well, so here's it's the thing: so is crazy when you bridge over water. Like that was probably the we had to do this and it was very difficult when I had to go to, it's called EOBC. So engineering officer basic course out in Fort Leonard Wood. And I'll tell you what, like my brain was still fresh because I was coming off of four years of college, but Mm -hmm. it was difficult. It was like, Hey, you're laying bridge over water. You know, how many feet per second is the river going? What's the load at any time that's going to be crossing the bridge? How many Mm -hmm. links are in the bridge? Like it was serious math. I was like, holy shit. And like, the consequences of getting something wrong with that are huge. like real huge. Monetarily and American life-wise too. Of course. You know? I think that's, I, I remember Bill Nye in uh, the Star Talk podcast was saying something about that's why engineer uh, schooling is designed to make people quit. Like there's this whole thing. It's like, this is so unfair. This has to be easy. He's like, yeah, it is unfair because you know how unfair it is if you make a skyscraper and it falls over. Mm. He's like only the best the best can do this. So I think that's like I don't know, something to hang your hat on, you know, like being able to handle that pressure. Like this needs to happen, right? This bridge needs to get built. Like somehow we have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. Man, I I don't want to harp on this too much because I know that there's <laughs> a lot more to you than the military. I just I've always found it so fascinating, and especially for you to tell me that uh you were in the military for seven years and I mean, I'm. I know that you're gonna bring a lot of that stuff with you for, for the rest of your life, right? Sure. No, I, I had a uh, kind of one more little story. There's this kid, uh, William Getz. His name is. I grew up with him, and uh, I wrestled with him in high school, and I played lacrosse with him, and I, I he I worked with him every day. Uh, we were basically greensmen at a country club. It's called Sandy Run Country Club, mm-hmm. and he's just one of the coolest kids. And he got hit by a car, and he had. Uh, real bad brain damage he was out of school for like a month and i remember he came back and his head from like the swelling in his brain was like kind of lopsided like almost like gumby you know and uh he was told that growing up all he ever wanted to do was be a marine like he Mm -hmm. was one of those kids had posters all over the wall like when we would watch movies like i remember watching the rock with him and those montages with like the music and the whole with Sean Connery? Yeah, yeah. Rock? Dude, Sean I Connery. love that movie. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing. And it's like, you know, <laughs> the whole scene was like, get ready, boys. And they're flipping over their night vision goggles. Like, he would just fucking love it. <laughs> and uh, anyway, as we got hit by a car, he was told over and over again that he probably wouldn't really be able to get through college just because he he wasn't the same with taking tests. Like, his personality sure. was the same, but he just, he could he had a hard time applying stuff. And uh somehow he went to rotc and he graduated from temple i think with honors as a lieutenant and uh he's in africa right now and i don't think he's 
I don't think he's ever really been deployed, like you said, into combat. I think he's been like directly involved with combat situations from mm-hmm. maybe like a higher up standpoint. And the reason why I asked that question is because I remember his brother saying that uh, that he actually requested to get put in, and the Navy um, even said like, "Look, we don't want you going into combat because you're just such a an, an important factor in you know like the logistics behind these operations." Yeah. So, uh, man, I I admire that kid so much. Let's get on to. Uh, the marketing stuff because i know that you're like <laughs> super super interested in it and i always love talking to people it, th- so we'll flip the roles now i'm super green and all the shit that we were just talking about now and uh, i i have some experience with with online marketing right first um i'm really interested about your job and your company you're like really passionate about the company that you work for and i think that's really cool last time we came in here you were excited to talk about it and uh Jules, my fiance, she's like, well, what does he do? And I was like, well, I don't really know. <laughs> so I think the first thing we need to do is like define what it is that you do for work. Sure. So I work for a company. The name of the company is is Datalot. And uh, what we do is uh, lead generation or, or live call transfer uh, generation for uh, insurance agents, both on uh, the health insurance side, which is no longer, I'm no longer doing that. And then property and casualty, which I am doing it. So um, homeowners, uh, auto insurance, uh, we do a little bit of commercial insurance, but we own landing pages. We run mobile click to call campaigns. Mm-hmm. If, are you looking for a better rate on your auto or your homeowner's insurance? Uh, the consumer will interact with the media. And then we have call centers all across the United States manned by live reps who will vet the calls, yeah. just either collect information if they've dialed in, or if they filled out one of our landing pages, They'll confirm the information. Uh, then we'll go ahead and confirm that they are interested in speaking to a licensed representative immediately and that they have the time to do so. You've run through this pitch a few times. Huh? <laughs> I can do it in my sleep. Yeah, man, you're really good sleep. at it. And then exclusively transfer over the call. <laughs> so <laughs> You even got like all the little uh, hype words. Like, and then we're going to exclusively transfer the call to a live certified rep. I used to get like, they used to get things thrown at me by by my boss I, I never recommend this for anyone but like being in close quarters uh, especially when our office was smaller like we have grown considerably in the four years that i've worked there. i know that you guys have been growing hugely it's and, and you've been growing a lot there yeah oh, yeah absolutely so mm-hmm. i mean when i started i you know was probably doing like 50 to 70k in business and last year i closed out the year at a little under 4 million so Damn. it's just like <laughs> you go huge explosion and uh it's good that's what i like about working for like in the military like it's very rigid and it's like you have to do this much time to get to this and Mm -hmm. this and this but like working for a startup it's crazy you know it's just like you promotion promotion you know like it the company's growing so fast that you know the staff is is trying to keep up with it and yeah it takes a, a lot of work to to work for uh, a tech startup, but like when it explodes, it's just like it. Just the company grows underneath you and just yes, pushes you pushes up, you up, 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 up. Mm-hmm. And then it's great because you've been there. Like you know, technically speaking, like four years is not a long time to work for a company. But you've but, seen the whole thing like metamorphosize. Yeah, there were times where the CEO and and the president and the CFO would fly down to Delray Beach. You know, when we were working above 
what's now Rocco's Tacos and, and like get feedback from us. And I was like, wow, you know, there was no way, a, you know, a five-star general was going to walk in a room and be like, hey, Mr. Second Lieutenant, like, let me hear your thoughts yeah. on the situation. He's like, no, you're an idiot and <laughs> and I'm going to make the decisions. But like yes. here in the civilian world, like you have these guys that are like, you guys are in the trenches. We want your feedback. And I'm like, you know, and uh, and it was really cool to see that. It was really cool to see them grow and the company grow. Our main office is in Dumbo and uh, uh, in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Down under the Manhattan oh, under the bridge. bridge. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's like where all of our our tech and our media is. Uh, we just opened up a new office in 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 Denver. So a lot of the guys from the Florida office to try to replicate the success that we had going uh, out there in Florida are going out there to start up a new office, uh, and it's it's amazing the feedback that we get from agents it's it's great like i've done a lot of sales jobs before and this is the one that i i, I truly love it because there's results like people are excited they're like wow the, you know the biggest uh i guess downside to the services guys will be like we need more and i'm like oh you know like we'll tell the media department but yeah. you know in a, a certain time we put on so many agents that it's difficult to keep up with it like we are we're doing a good job like if someone says we need more usually the media department will respond in kind so when you say we need more you mean more leads more live transfers yeah, yeah. so gotcha. it's it's awesome man I, I i love it it's great and i just like started up my facebook business page and like my yeah. instagram and i'm like reading all these books and then what are you reading so i'm reading the ultimate series there's a, a really good uh facebook marketer named perry marshall who okay. has like he's handles millions millions in uh in media spend for big companies like uh car companies mercedes like all different kinds of companies and it's really cool he's got like he explains not just like the flight plan of like how to use uh facebook and ad builder but he's just like honestly like you can be you know a tech ninja at all this stuff but if you don't know marketing it's gonna suck you don't know what an ad set is if you don't know what long copy is if you don't know what a header is and if you don't know like the 13 concepts of marketing and scarcity and all that stuff mm -hmm. like doesn't make a difference how good you are at targeting your ads your ads are just going to suck and you're going to have no engagement in it mm -hmm. so it's cool like learning about learning about marketing like taking what i've even learned from my college courses and and applying it into uh, like social media distribution networks like Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, which is another one that I'm getting into. And mm -hmm. uh, I like it. It's it's good. And like what you said too in the beginning when before we went live is like I'm really trying to like not go too far down the rabbit hole with Facebook because sometimes it's like I have, I've had to separate it almost to the point of like not looking at my personal account and just looking at the business accounts because it's it's this stuff is addicting like that's why it, it works you know you get on facebook and five minutes later you're looking at cat videos and you're like dude i came on here to make an ad set <laughs> and now i'm looking at cat videos like where did you know what happened and it's just like you just get hooked yeah know? well you have to understand billions of dollars is being spent by some of the smartest fucking people in in the not even just the world like the history of the world considering mm. all the resources that they have and the only thing they're trying to do is figure out how to make you stop doing what you're doing and do this instead. So, like, as soon as you go in there, you're at a disadvantage because it's just you. You know, mm -hmm. it's just me. I'm, I'm little, 
I'm Tim, you know, I'm, I'm, I got no clout, no like fortitude. And I'm just stacked up against this team of, of ridiculous capability. Whose only, only mission is to make me stop what I'm doing and look at this thing instead. And they're good. Yeah. They're, real they're good, really man. good. They're really good. So tell me some of the, uh, so now we're in my wheelhouse, you know, now, oh boy. now I'm, I'm going to have fun with this. <laughs> So what is your, when you say you're, you're creating ads, like what is your goal? Are you trying to build your personal brand or are you just literally trying to convert more leads into phone calls so that you can take them yourself? So initially what I'm, I'm doing is I'm, uh, I'm doing the, the first I'm doing the, uh, or actually the second, I think you said, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to convert more people, um, into, um, not phone calls, not even a transfer. No, I'm trying to get access to the insurance agents that I sell the calls to. Okay. Right. So a lot of them have either business pages or, or personal pages. So I will, uh, I'll, you know, reach out to them through, um, through marketing and target in specific states that I know that my company has an abundance of calls in, uh, and, and reach out to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, through, ads and through light campaigns i know i was reading something that was really interested it said, so you're doing more of a b2b type network yeah b2b exactly okay. so doing that and uh it's going okay like my my reach is solid but my interaction is is not which is is good because i'm learning about like the building blocks like if sure. it's, it's really cool like the way that this guy explains it is almost like you know like uh like it's like Legos and you have all these different types of Legos. And if you're finding like, if you're getting the reach, but you're not getting like the click through rate, like this is what you have to look at. This is what you have to edit. You know, like obviously people are seeing your ad, but they're not interacting with it. Like now you need to look at your ad copy. So then it's just copy. Yeah. yeah. Copy and messaging. So it, it's really, what's cool. his name again? The guy's name is Perry Marshall. I'm going to link it. And what's the book? Uh, the book is uh, the, it's, the ultimate series for uh facebook marketing oh so it's a blog no it's it's an actual book so it, he has an ultimate series for like instagram facebook local marketing oh, kind of like the for dummies type deal it is but this guy is like i always look at whenever i go to look at a book the most important thing to me is 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 who wrote the book mm -hmm. right like is this guy full of shit does he know what he's talking about um did he just like go to school for this and he's runs like a million dollars worth of ad spend and then he goes to college campuses and claims that he's an expert or is this There's a guy a lot of that, that goes on with social media too and and it's tough it's just so difficult to know like who is doing the deal and who is not and now nowadays with like a lot of this it's, a lot of people write books and they're specifically built to upsell their their marketing product of course you know, is it's just like, here's a free book plus shipping and you get it. And yeah, there's some good value in it, but the whole entire thing is an upsell for, it's for a something content bigger. marketing tool. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, man, that's not really like what I'm looking for. And this guy, Perry, um, is one of the few guys that's not doing that, you know, like he's packing all the value into it and he's got some really insightful things and he's constantly updating the book because there are so many switches in the social media networks and uh he's got a blog too that updates a little bit quicker obviously than his books and it's cool i mean i'm just learning a ton i just get nervous like when i see yeah it's know, terrifying i'm just like they could switch the rules at any time and like this could all be obsolete yes. and then i'm just on this like this this hamster wheel of just like learning more learning more learning more which 
to a degree is good because there's always going to be a need for professionals. You know, like when I got out of the military, the first thing I did was taxes. We're always going to have a job as tax accountants because tax law always changes, mm -hmm. which is good for job security. Mm -hmm. Same thing for media. I mean, like if they're constantly changing the rules of, you know, Google's doing updates, uh, you know, Facebook's doing updates, they're altering things like it's good because there's knowledge that we're going to be able to acquire and pass pass on and and help our customers sure so it's not terrible it's just require requires work and who likes to work man well <laughs> uh i think that man you, you said so much there okay uh what has been like so far in the short time that you've been experimenting with it and you know you mentioned that you've screwed up a bunch of times like mm -hmm. what has been from from you can tell with the legos mm -hmm. you know like where in in the sequence of creating an ad all the way to conversion like which block do you think you're falling short on uh the first block so my biggest issue was this is that i jumped right into the technology aspect before i did step one which is to was to craft an offer right okay. like had no offer i just had like you know I, I just just everybody looking at this. posts and yeah. just yeah look at this like driving no value for it whatsoever i'm just mm -hmm. another joe on facebook um not making like an actual hook that's um that's really making anyone want to stop mm -hmm. right you know everyone sees like all these internet marketers and all these lead companies like what was i doing to to drive traffic and the answer was nothing i'm just throwing money away and uh, I'm focused on the technology of targeting and just saying if I could just get this in front of them for long enough, it'll be good. You know, and then I started to learn about split testing and the power with that, you know, having an ad set where you can rotate images and rotate ad copy to find, you know, the Lego blocks where you're most effective in terms of like reach and click through rate. Mm -hmm. So I just... I had some money. I threw it into it. I might as well have just lit it on fire and stood around it. No, but warmth. that's not true. <laughs> I can tell you right now, a reason why I think you're going to do well is because like, um, it's really, really easy to have these kind of failures and have it, you know, like punch you in the ribs and you're just like, Oh, I can't, I can't take that loss again. Mm -hmm. But you only need one. That's like the cool thing about it. Like you only need to find a sweet spot. And then once you hit that sweet spot, you just pour as much as you possibly can into it. So, I mean, here you go again, 80, 20 rule, right? Like as long as you keep trying to figure it out and keep trying to figure out, like when you find it, you just fucking execute on it as hard as you can. And mm -hmm. then all of the little, I mean, it's, it's money, you know, I don't want to like negate how important it is, but in the grand scheme of things, like all the small chunks and losses that you took, it's, it's not even going to matter. Yeah. Eventually, hopefully. eventually, but that's the hard part is the patience. Yeah. Most people just see this instant gratification world and they're like, Oh, well, I don't get it. This person's got like 800,000 Instagram followers. Like, how do I get there? But that's not really where, where the value is. The value is what you said, like having something to offer. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part. So that's like where I'm at with it right now. I, I mean, I like it. I enjoy it a lot. I went to, um, I ended up going to a, a seminar uh, in Orlando. It's called Funnel Hacking Live. Cool. And it was, it was really, really awesome. Like I met a bunch of like-minded people. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy, Russell Brunson, that runs ClickFunnels, like he... Yeah, I know him. He's a he's an upsell artist, man. Like he, you know, he was selling us the whole entire time, and like I saw it. But for me, the biggest thing was like he had like a, 
you know, all of his best guys that were performing the best, put them all in a room, all at tables. And we were able to go around and, and ask questions, you know, like, tell me what it looks like from $0 a day to $1,000 a day. Tell me like how you scaled your business from a thousand to 10,000 from 10,000 to a hundred K. And it was just really cool. Not just to, to see like where I was at zero to a thousand, but also to see like other guys that were like hitting a wall and the feedback that, that they were getting to, you know, of like scaling out and, um, the walls that, you know, you're coming up against and the walls that you're eventually going to hit. There was just like a lot. I couldn't write notes fast enough. Like I'm just sitting there like, eventually I, I, killed it and and i was just like in my phone i'm like holding it out and just like <laughs> recording people trying trying to catch something and i listened to the recordings they're all shit i didn't i didn't put the microphone close enough yeah. to their mouth <laughs> <laughs> i think that uh i think one of the real real advantages that you're gonna have though is that um like like i just said before kind of piggybacking it's not the seminars and it's not the blogs. It's just the willingness to sit down and try it. You'd be surprised how many people educate themselves to the point where like you can say anything and they know all the new techniques and they knew all the new like buzzwords and the shit that people are doing right now. But if you sit down, I think what I said to you before is the same advice that I would say to anybody. Like, don't worry about all that. Pick one thing mm-hmm. and like just get as good as you possibly can at that. And I know people are kind of sick of hearing me say this, but I've I've really, really leaned away from Facebook recently. And that's why I like email because of how you mentioned all the changes and how unpredictable it is and like how volatile it is. And especially now with all the crazy Facebook shit going on. But yeah, that's why I like an email audience who's engaged personally to me because it doesn't matter what can change. You know, like my email list is always going to be my email list and I'm always going to have a a direct line of access to them just by clicking an email. Like, you know, I don't have to go through Facebook or I don't have to go through Google to, mm-hmm. to reach my audience. However, I think in your case, it's a little bit different because your audience isn't, uh, you know, people that are just like following you because of your know-how in the insurance game. Like your quote unquote audience is like-minded business people who want to curate the leads that you're mm-hmm. you're selling so it's not like a kind of thing where i mean maybe it is though i, I learned that with stadzi when i started writing the content there because i i was thinking to myself like nobody cares about this like the the content around the online marketing for behavioral health is so dry you know mm. like who's really caring about this but I was surprised. I just sent out one newsletter a week. And then before I knew it, there was like 9,000 people on the email list. All really interested. So I think if you just started and you created a website, first of all, don't put your brand on a Facebook page. That's a huge fucking mistake. Like create a website and you just started sharing your experience and like the lessons that you've learned. There's so many people that are interested in so many different things. You know, I think you would be really surprised like how much value just your experience would give other people who are kind of in like the same realm as you, you know? Hmm. Are you a good writer? Uh, I'm not a terrible writer. You're intelligent though. So you would be able to just make it, make something worth it. Handsome too. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to mention. So what do you think is the next step um, with that? Are you 
focused more on just the daily work that you have to do at your company or are you focused more on mm. the digital marketing stuff that you're learning so the digital marketing stuff is like uh uh that's a between the hours of like 10 p.m and and sometimes two or three o'clock in the morning that's what it needs to be and if you had yeah other shit to do right now i mean like i would never uh you know the monday through friday sometimes even monday through saturday like I would never, um, I would never do the digital marketing stuff while I was doing the stuff for. for so it's Dadla. separate. You're it's saying. totally separate. Okay. Yeah, and and I kind of made like a like a, a public figure uh, Facebook page, right? And mm -hmm. it just it's you know it says like I, I made a web page that I'm working on Somerville um, marketing because Somerville Media wasn't available. No way, that <laughs> no, wasn't Lame. some dude I know. Some dude took it out i was like ah, he had such a great website though it's like i'm not even mad you weren't mad my my last name's on it I'm not i know mad. that feeling where there's somebody that like you're kind of pissed at but you see it as like oh this is really good yeah though. it was really great uh -huh. i might i might uh i might steal his layout actually but uh it was it was fantastic so big props to somerville, somerville marketing yeah which is long it's a long url that's not that like, long you don't think so? No, it's it's not that long. And you want the word marketing in the in the domain. That's probably better than having the word media in the domain, mm. honestly. Yeah, you'd be surprised. But I have it right now, but it's the way ClickFunnels works is it's like more of it's not so much a web page as it is like it's a funnel, right? And right now I'm pages. trying to run a, a webinar funnel. Right? Okay. So it's like um it's important for the agents like to get the information. Uh, my biggest problem now, honestly, is I don't have the time in the day, even if I'm working 10 or 12 hours, to handle uh, a lot of the inquiries that are coming through because Datalot is getting so much uh, clout like with the insurance industry mm -hmm. right now. It's just like, you know, we're, our leads are converting at sometimes 10 or 15 or 20% higher than everyone else. So when that happens, agents start to talk. Because, you know, I mean, a 20% higher conversion rate, if you drag it over the course of a month, you're talking about literally hundreds of yeah, thousands of dollars of insurance it. premium. Uh -huh. It's huge. So we're getting a lot of, of lot of inquiries in it, and it's great. And we're, we're handling them like the staff we have there. They're not nine to fivers. It's like, you know, the job starts and then the job ends like when it's done. When it's over. You know, and, and some of my clients, they know they'll see emails come out at like midnight or one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning because like I'm wrapping up their accounts and I'm moving it over to the account managers that will handle them and, mm -hmm. and making sure they're set up. You know, I'm uh, one of the things that another thing I learned in the military was uh, not to micromanage, which is huge for me because I always want to put my hands yeah, all let over people everything. Do their jobs, right? You know, I, I want to be running around, running the platoon, like loading, you know, people's weapons and making sure they drink, drink the wall, you know, but you can't do that. You know, and you, you can't do that, not just in the military world, but also in the civilian world. Like, I can't do my onboarder's job for him. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's it's intense, but it's 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 really, really cool. And I, I love I love just uh, I love helping people out. It's it's good because, um, you know, there are a lot of people out there in the lead gen space that are just there for a quick buck and um usually like when i go in as you know one of the sales guys and you know there's bad experience bad experience bad experience and i feel so bad for him too yeah you know? 
And, and there's so much that I have to overcome just from an initial conversation. But even, even if it's a referral, mm-hmm. you know, first words out of an agent's mouth is usually like, I've done this before, but, you know, and, and I have to come back with, you know, even if you have done this before and you fail before, like, it's okay because there's a lot of information out there and sometimes it's hard to digest. And there's so many people that are doing this out of their basement or, you know, buying leads through another company and then like white labeling it and then selling it to you for a premium and things like that. And Datalot doesn't do any of that stuff. You know, we don't need to do any of that stuff. It's just direct to the end user. You know, like we get it, we give it to you. It's exclusive. We're not reselling it. And the numbers are are there, you know, and um, it's cool to see you. Insurance lead gen is a pretty dry subject, you know, and uh, especially when it comes to digital things like people get excited about digital marketing when you're talking about, I don't know, like SaaS products or like VR type stuff, things mm-hmm. that are like young and fun and hip, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's cool to see you have passion for it and for the people that you work for. And I think I would kind of follow up by it's clear to me that you want to have an impact, even with the people that are under you. Like you like knowing that people got something out of you, at least giving them some of your experience. You know, what what do you think that impact like if if you could teach all of your reps one like important thing, what do you think that that would be? Hmm. Like uh, the people that are working for me or, or the insurance agents? Um, you know, I, I guess a little bit of both. Um, you know, where I was going with that is that <clears throat> a lot of times in those kind of rooms, it's just a numbers game and it's just super technical. Mm-hmm. And it's, hey, hit your numbers. And there's not a whole lot of emotion in there. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of go in and you do your job and it's very like robotic. But speaking to you you come at it from such like an emotional standpoint like it means something to you yeah so i guess i'm trying to tap into that like what is it that you're getting out of it well i think it's i think it's with anything man it's like you know why do you come here why do you do the stasi stuff you know like it's not it's not a paycheck man there's a reason that you know like there's an end game that's always involved in everything like everyone gets up and they grind and they do all this stuff and it's not just for a paycheck like it's for a fiance mm-hmm. right it's for happiness it's for all that stuff like that is the end game and if you know if, if i could say anything it's just like look at the end game don't look at the don't just look at the the paycheck man like that's how i get excited about a dry subject is because i talk and i build a relationship with people and, and like i'm I like to know, like, you know, what's the reason? Why are you doing this? Why, why are you buying live transfers? You know, and they're like, so I can generate more business. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I get that. But, but why? But why? You know, my kid's going to college in, in two years, you know, and he's incredibly smart and he's going to go here and he's going to need some cash. It's like, great. So if I know that, like, if I know why you're doing something, you know, if I have figures of, of like, what it's going to take to get you there then i can mm-hmm. take a look at my media side and say like hey this is the how much opportunity we need to drive in there so that you can hit your end goal yeah you know do you know who simon senek is i don't i'm gonna to have to send you this ted talk that he did um be i love i really really love what you said i love that concept because he he frames a lot of what he does around like what's your why it's not necessarily the work that you do every day 
he says like if you ask if you ask why three times to something you usually get it so why are you buying live transfers because i want to grow my business why do you want to grow your business because i want to have enough money to kid send my kids to school like why do you want to send your kids to school because i want them to have a better life than i did right mm. so like you're buying lead gen transfers because you want your kids to have a better life than you did so it's not like the linear i'm buying lead gens i'm buying transfers because i want to grow my business like if you ask why three times that's like the crux behind what you're doing and uh it's really good actually. it's really really good like there's so much shit that flies around the internet that I try to like most of it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Mm. But Simon Sinek, I'll send you the video. Actually, I gotta write that one down too. Um it's fantastic. And it sounds to me like you do the work that you do because the why like really matters. Yeah. Let's cool. get down to causes and conditions, man. Like why why is it like that? You know, and, and I, I don't think there's enough people in this world that asked that question I like why right. i and, and i think maybe because there's a couple reasons i think maybe because it's slightly uncomfortable and, and another thing that i mm -hmm. found like in my experience is this is that it's easy to talk right it's easy to talk yeah. i can talk my brain is functioning it's firing off what's difficult to do uh is to intently listen right because now your mouth is shut down you know your brain might not be working as hard and you're intently listening to the person without like jumping into a conversation and that's difficult to do super difficult but when you're allowing somebody the opportunity to talk and you're intently listening like you're doing you're making them the most important person in the world and everyone wants to feel important at that one moment that's it including the both I totally of us. hear you and that's something that i'm working on because i am very much a talker and a, a talker over uh but one of the things i told myself in 2018 i guess this is kind of um like my my new year's resolution is to try to become a good listener mm. and not only to other people but like to myself and to my body and um like internally and it trust me it's been <laughs> it's it's been tough but i you know i'm i'm aware of the issue now and i think that awareness is like is key to starting to make a change in any aspect in your life i think so too this this podcast more than anything for me has been an exercise of listening <laughs> and like i really really fucking mean that i mean you can relate my job basically from all the marketing stuff like at the end of the day my job is to talk to people Mm. whether it's like through the internet or on the phone mostly on the phone but even meeting people with conversations and i think maybe i like to hear myself talk a little bit more than other people like to hear me talk which i'm sure is pretty common <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <right>? me too <laughs> but man i tell you like just becoming curious about people and just listening like not just hearing them but like actually figuring out what the fuck it is that they're trying to say like like you said like intentively listening to somebody mm. uh, this podcast has has taught me that more than anything else so so i guess i guess i mean where do we go from here what's what's next you just bought a house right no i'm in the process of buying a house yeah. let me tell you it's uh you know up to I'm this in the process too oh, are you having as much of a difficult time as i am with this uh no it's actually been pretty easy so far um Ugh. but i mean i'm buying a house in nashville yeah so we'll we'll see i mean it's it's all been pretty easy so far but it's it's not done yet what what part of the process are you in i'm getting the loan 
okay, you're getting the loan. Yeah. Just wait, my friend. That's <laughs> the, that's nothing. Okay, that's the, great. the loan is just numbers, right? So you're not really dealing with any people yet. So it's just like, oh, you either have the money or you don't. Like, mm-hmm. we'll extend the loan to you or we won't, right? Easy. I thought it was going to be much more difficult. It just, I had to take a bunch of documents. I had to send it over to them. They got it. They're like, yeah, sure. We'll give you 400 grand. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. it's intense, you know? Yeah, that's about what I'm doing too. And, uh, and dealing with the people putting in the offers and just like, man, people are crazy. They're just like, you make an offer. Like someone, they, they say their house is worth X amount of dollars, right? And you go in, and this is my experience with just the last offer I put in. Beautiful house. I loved it. The girl mm. had a garden out front. Uh, she was a cook. She's like, I'm selling my house to get in an RV and go across the country. And I was like, you cool. have no idea who you're about to sell your house to right now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on that level with you. I like every day I wake up. Like I, I'm just like, is today gonna be the day, the day? that I just throw it all? Yeah, like, go cruise. <laughs> I, I told my boss one time, I'm just like, listen, when I get X amount of dollars in my savings account, you better watch your mouth towards <laughs> me. <out> of here. <laughs> but uh, you know, we had a you know a great time. I'm looking in the house, you know, and like my inner salesman's turning on. I'm seeing that she's got like no possessions. She's whittled it all down to the point where like she's ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking questions, not even about the house, but like. I'm like, where are you going first? You know, like trying to put this plan like into fruition for her, you know, like mm. I want her to see it. I want her to see yourself on the road so yeah. that when I make this offer, she's just going to take it. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, everything goes well. And I'm like, I'm putting in an offer. And she's like, uh, just a, something I want to tell you that, you know, the amount that I'm asking for, the house is not going to appraise for that amount. And I'm like, hmm. Because my dad was uh, owned a company called DCNJ Development Corporation in New Jersey. He was a real estate appraiser for 35 years, mm-hmm. right? So you know about evaluating so a home. I, yeah, I mean, like I've I've gone with him yeah. when I was a little kid. I'd hold the tape measure and like run around, and you know, like I'd help him. He'd buy me like a Donkey Kong game or something if you know if I did a good job. So like mm-hmm. that was you know that uh, you know I know a little bit about home appraisals, not a ton, but if I have any questions, I know a guy that I can ask. His name's Dad. <laughs> you know. So, uh, so she's asking for like $325,000 for the house. And I'm just like, ah, you know, she's like, I think it's worth it. I'm like, I think it's worth more, honestly, (laughs) you know, but the professional appraisal says that it's only worth $290,000. Right. So like, so if the professionals are saying this based upon comparable sales in the neighborhood, like that's how much the house is worth. Yeah. She's like, well, what's your offer? And I'm like, I got to say 290 because that's what the house is worth. worth. She's like, well, I need, I need $315,000 for it. And I was just like, why? There it is. There's that question. Uh Why, you know, why do you, why do you think that it's worth that much? And of course I get like a very non-professional answer and an emotionally driven one, which use your imagination. yeah, Yeah. So whatever. She changed the shades in the house, you know? And, uh, and I'm like, okay, you know, that's, that makes sense. Um, you know, why, why do you, why do you think that, you know, and, and she's giving me more explanations. And I was like, look, I'm like the housing market right now is like, has been just grinding upwards for so long and Mm -hmm. like, it's, it can't grind upwards forever. Right. So there's a, there's a very distinct possibility that I could be buying this home at the top of the market, which means that the only place that it's going to go is down. 
right? Like you've done nothing to it. You've held it onto it for six years. You're about to make 80 grand on the house. Yeah. Not a bad payday. Yeah. Right. For doing nothing. And, uh, basically we get down to it and I was like, listen, I got to offer you 290, maybe 295 for it. Uh, because there's just like, there's no other reason that I would pay that, mm -hmm. you know, and the deal fell through. Lame. But yeah, it just doesn't make sense because like what you'll find out here is if if the bank says 290, right? Though, you know, you're required to put down, you know, three and a half or 5% on the 290, right? So in that case, about 15K, mm -hmm. then any difference between the appraisal price and the price that the owner is asking for, you have to come up with in cash. So it would be 15K, you know, plus... 10 25k extra because she's asking for for 315 mm -hmm. right that's a huge like cash investment yeah. for a property you know uh -huh. so i was just like listen lady unless there's a river of oil underneath your house <laughs> or a picasso in the attic <laughs> yeah like, like there's no way of independence in the picture frame yeah <laughs> and there's there's no way i'm giving you that much money for the house so you know, we'll see. That sucks, man. You'll find your house. Well, the realtor fucked up or screwed up. Uh, I told you, you can curse, <laughs> man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, the realtor fucked up and gave me her phone number, her personal phone number. So bad move. Like a good salesman that I am, I will be checking in. Bad I guess move. is the phrase that we'll call it. You know. Oh, okay. Routinely checking in. <laughs> so we'll end on this one. Um, as I was doing my quote unquote research that I told you about, I found a hysterical meme on your Facebook page of some girl walking across the street and some other kid playing the trumpet right yes. in her ear. <laughs> it's like, this is me calling my, this my is how I make my living hour. <laughs> yeah. There's another one too. It's just like, this is how I make my living. And it's just like the kid like blaring the trumpet and it's like me prospect. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's <laughs> the one that I'm talking about. Like I'll call you on the hour, every hour until you just like fold sales humor guys sales sure. humor on on facebook and and on on instagram there oh that's the page sales humor hilarious right, and cool. the guy actually created a book too and it, it's it's so funny it's uh oh man if i i can't recall i'm sure it's it's blastered all over it's like the sales something and it's uh it's like a humorous anyone that's going into sales or thinking about going into sales it's great because it gives you like good information but then it also like has a lot of side. humor into it That's yeah good, it, and it's just this guy is not like you know he's dropping the f-bomb and he's you know he's he's like a really like funny guy like a lot of people that in sales man you have to it's a different type of person you have you to get, you go crazy yeah you, you can't get take told no a hundred times a day over again and like hung up on and yeah. like screamed at and and just like outbound no, no 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 but the good news is and and you know a lot of the insurance agents i work with know this is that you only need a couple yeses a day and that's you're it. you're doing a lot better than most of our friends that are working on that, salary yeah that's know? it so it, it says it in the book too it's like i would work a salary job but i like i like nice things <laughs> <laughs> so i agree well look man i really really appreciate you coming on here um you're a cool kid, dude. Like, I'm Thank really, you. really glad because we've we always chat with each other a little bit, we, but we've never actually got to spend like some time and 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 talk to each other. So I'm really glad we got to do this. Buddy. Cool. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's yeah. a lot of fun. See you later. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. 
If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.